Welcome, time travelers, to part two of our four-week look at Wild Wild West. <laughs> no, no, no. Welcome. Uh, uh, the day that we're recording this is July 18th. In the box office, number one, Spider-Man Far From Home. And I just want to say, in a previous episode, Veronica Yurovsky, my co-host, went on and on about how she doesn't like the character of Sp Spider-Man. And now, at this episode... For some reason, we're deciding to break our pattern and do another retro movie. Why? I don't know. Is there a conspiracy? Who knows? All I do know is that we're going to look at Nicole Kidman naked. It's eyes wide shut. Toot toot. I mean, isn't that better, though? see the movie maybe I was, uh, Nicole Kidman was naked in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home wow I guess yeah I guess you know you missed 100% of the Nicole Kidman's <laughs> <laughs> naked Nicole Kidman's don't say yeah that's, uh, a, that's a Wayne Gretzky <laughs> Gretzky quote um, <laughs> that's true uh, hi dear listeners <laughs> after I <laughs> called you out in the intro I would I would say that it's more of just trying to keep things topical, and I feel like... Yeah, the, that's probably what happened. Yeah, yeah. The, the time of Spider-Man has passed. It wasn't your deep <laughs> hatred for Peter Parker. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're all about Lion King now, which we're not going to oh, be talking God. about. If we have to watch Lion King because the schedule got changed... I'm going to be so angry. <laughs> no, we don't. I mean, the schedule is on time. We're just like, we did release an episode last week, John. We didn't? No, this is us catching up. Oh, okay, fine. And we did want to talk about Eyes Wide I don't Shut. listen to the podcast. I'm not a fan, so I don't okay. know. Okay, well, it, then, you know, you get what you get out of this. Hi, I'm John. <laughs> I'm Veronica, and I listen to every word. <laughs> she does. She has to edit. Well, that's true. Because uh, each of our uh, uh, each of our episodes, uh, I go into a 40-minute rant uh, uh, about the QAnon theory, uh, which is 100% <laughs> true, and everyone look it up. And then for some reason, Veronica edits it out. So by that logic, people are not going to hear this. No, no. You're not going to hear me pointing out that clearly, uh, clearly, our Democratic politicians are doing child slave rings out of pizza joints. Instead, you'll hear something more believable about the powerful elite and their sex orgies in the movie Eyes Wide Shut. Exactly. And you know what? Sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. You know, I saw Room 237. I think Stanley Kubrick is Q. Is Q. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It would be nice if the greatest trick Stanley Kubrick has ever pulled is like pretending to die 20 years ago, yeah. only well, to emerge on 4chan 20 years later. He released it. He, he sent over his final cut of Eyes Wide Shut and then he went, whoa, I have a feeling <laughs> that I'll be needed in 20 years. Off I go. <laughs> Dead. Yeah, better do some research about Napoleon for 20 years while I'm at it. <laughs> anyway, uh, as we've very cleverly alluded to, uh, we are going to be talking about Eyes Wide Shut, which is mysteriously was number one in the box office. How weird do you find that we actually get to talk about Eyes Wide Shut? Um, well, ooh. Okay, well, first off, I love this movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. uh, second off, am I surprised? I was actually thinking about that on the way over. I was reading, uh, you know, the Wikipedia about the the release. And it was, in many ways, despite being one of Kubrick's biggest uh, hits uh, financially, or at least, uh, you know, one of his made the most money, I mm -hmm. think, below 2001, it was still con considered a bit of a disappointment, at the very least, in America. And but it did great in its first weekend, and I'm not surprised by that. 
Right. Because think about it. Uh, it's Stanley Kubrick. You know he just died. So it's his last movie ever. And it's got uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Um, massive stars, married. Uh, you know it's all that... all, And I do remember this, uh, even though I, I didn't see it at the time. Um, mm-hmm. I remember this at the time. People talking about how it's like, oh, this movie's sexy. It's going to be like... Because yeah. if you watch the trailers, nothing... There's no information. Because right. Kubrick, one of the things he's made very clear is he didn't want anything to be released ahead of time. So all we had... And I, <laughs> I remember like reading on like Newsweek stories about the fight over the edit. Uh, so all anyone knew was that it was Stanley Kubrick's last movie. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman were in it. There's a lot of sex. Uh, there's a giant orgy scene. That's all we knew. Plus, we also, I think this was, like, to put on my gossip hat, mm-hmm. like, this was the movie that kind of broke him up. I think, like... Is that there, true? Yeah, Why? there was, like, a lot of, like, stuff coming around around that time of just, like, that this is, like, ruining their marriage <laughs> and, like, Stanley <laughs> Kubrick is really, like, manipulating them and all that shit. And I think they did end up breaking up, like, a year later. Yeah, I mean, there's so, a ton of stuff on the I Wikipedia. Think there was, yeah. yeah, I think so. I think it might also be just, um, yeah, just people just being, like, super curious about, you know, just, like, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman's private lives and whether they could <laughs> read into... So I... So I'm not, I'm actually not surprised that it was number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also, you know, it just wasn't, um, it wasn't the same as it was today. There wasn't a huge movie every weekend. Right. So like, yeah, a, what everyone thought was an erotic thriller, but was actually <laughs> a cold meditative look at marriage and class structures uh-huh. uh, uh, could be number one. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think like. I'm, I guess I'm not necessarily surprised, but I do think that it's cool and notable that <laughs> it was. I mean, I think it's similar to Dead Ringers in that sense. Oh, I was, yeah, I was much more surprised by Dead Ringers. But well, yeah, Dead Ringers is definitely weirder. Like, uh, I love Jeremy Irons, but I don't think he's ever been at a level of 1999 Tom Cruise when it comes to fame. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe Scar was. He was fucking great as Scar. (laughs) God, we better not have to see that fucking movie. I know. Uh, Anyway, so uh, so let's get on it with the plot synopsis. It shouldn't be. What's your What's your history with this film? So my history, I remember seeing it with my mom when it first came out on a home video. Definitely doesn't feel weird and uncomfortable. That was very awkward, Uh, and then. And I think, like, I kind of enjoyed it. I probably didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, I obviously didn't get it. And um, so I just thought it was like, oh, weird tech stuff. Uh, and then I saw it actually, like, a few years ago. There was, like, some, again, a resurgence in Eyes Wide Shot Appreciation. And I watched it. I was like, oh, this is really, really good. I had a great time with it. And, I mean, I had a great time with it again. Watching it now. Yeah, I remember I watched it a lot in college. Um, I remember I watched it at the end of high school just, you know, a few years after it came out. Um, And then I watched it in college a lot. And I remember some of my friends in college liked it and some of us didn't. We had a big Kubrick spin. Yeah. Um, Someone, like, I don't know. Someone, I know this was a little more more polarizing in the group than, say, The Shining in 2001. I mean, the thing about all Stanley Kubrick movies, which I haven't seen them all, but I've seen all most the of them. Faking the moon landing. Yes, they're all really about the faking the. Even the, the moon ones landing. from before it happened. Yeah, <laughs> or they, yeah, they're either about the Holocaust or uh, no. But it is like, I I was realizing this as I was watching it. You kind of feel like very like you're in good hands. I mean, that's sort of like a good. Comforting hands. Like, Whenever I watch The Shining, I just feel like the camera is gently pushing me I through mean, the hallways maybe, of the Overlook Maybe Hotel. it does have something to do with just the general level of competence in the movies. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't mean like in a way of like I feel like warm and fuzzy. No, I. I do. I. I I'm. I'm making fun. I 100 yeah. do get it. And I like, especially in something like The Shining. Part of what makes it so frightening is that you feel like. Whoever is lead the way the camera moves, you feel like whoever's leading you through that is so precise and just wants to make you unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of why the shining is so frightening. 
Um, and yeah, like, yes, it's everything feels so uh, dire <laughs> directed. This movie <laughs> with the director feels directed. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. it just feels like this it's This is like, the incisive commentary people come to this podcast for. <laughs> no, it just feels like, I mean, we can, we will talk about this as we go, but like, there's just such an intense amount of research that went into seemingly everything. And also just like, yeah, you are kind of in the hands of a master and he's going to lead you where you need to go and it's going to be okay. I feel mm -hmm. like this movie directed by cuz I was thinking like if this movie was made in the 80s, it would have been it would be starring Michael Douglas and probably directed by like Adrian Lyne or something like that. <laughs> and it would have been way trashier, but probably like more quote-unquote commercial. Well, we can look at the comparison of uh the two Lolitas. Yeah. Adrian Lyne's Lolita was not commercial because I, no one wanted oh, to yeah. release it. I guess I just threw out his name because like that's <laughs> but yeah, I mean exactly. So I think I think just the even like I feel like he's the kind of director who could have made like any subject matter mm -hmm. feel interesting because like his take on it and the way that he approaches a project is like so precise and interesting to me. Um so yeah, so I think I guess, like, this is not necessarily about the movie, but it's more of just, like, I feel like Stanley Kubrick making anything is inherently interesting to me. And I am, like, I don't know. I kind of like all of his... I mean, I do really like all of his movies. You heard it here first, <laughs> listeners. Stanley Kubrick, a fine film director. A fine filmmaker. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Uh, uh, so, yes. So, um, I mean, I've already said... I love this. I think we're both pretty positive on it. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, let's shoot through this whole this yeah. whole. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make a valiant attempt not to drag on with the synopsis. So please hold us to that, <laughs> dear listener. Um, so yeah, so uh, where do we start? Well, we start on a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, a family, a normal New York family. They're, they're getting on with their lives. Mm -hmm. They are, you know, it, Christmas is coming up. And they're, uh, the husband and the wife, or Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise, uh, are getting ready to go to a fancy party. That's true. And we do, um, I was joking earlier, but we do literally start on Nicole Kidman getting naked. Yeah, there's... I gotta say, that's like the one thing that I'm like... We watch that, her get dressed a lot. We yeah we watch her. She's basically not fully clothed. For, I would say for like fifty percent of her screen time. I'm a, how old are how old are they in this movie? I'm upset. I don't want to look it up because I feel like they're uh, gonna be so disturbingly close to my current age. I think so. Like I think Nicole Kidman is. A, is like at most in her early thirties, oh, I think she's like late sixties, early seventies. Uh, Tom Cruise. She's in her late sixties in this movie. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> a birth uh, year. Right. She's sixty-seven, so she would have been. Oh fuck, she's my age in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, so she is your age. I think. Tom and on the Cruise... economic uh, <laughs> economic scale, I'm I'm much closer to uh, Martingale, the broke musician, than I am to the Harford oh, family. Nick Nightingale. Nick Nightingale. Did I say Martingale? No, yeah, Nightingale. I'm trying to do like, what's her name. Are you? Because I was like, are Margo. you? Is that? Are you calling? Are you are like on close enough terms with Margo Martindale to yes. be like? I went closer to Martindale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so she is your age. I think Tom Cruise is probably like five years older. So, mm. but yeah, I think they're sort of. She's in fantastic shape. I wanted them to be much older, She's both because 32. they're doing great. Well, I wanted them to be older because I could, so I could be like, oh, see, I can still be in great shape at that age. Um, but I guess, yeah. I mean, you could. No. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> uh, it is what it is. It's not getting better. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think, like, I've just made peace with the way my body looks in terms of, like, just, like, uh, opportunity cost of actually exercising mm -hmm. and enjoying that. So, like, if today's Stanley Kubrick, which we all assume is... QAnon. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of another baby, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So today's Stanley... <laughs> Today, Stanley Kubrick comes to you and says, "Hey, we got to make this movie." You don't think you'd, you'd you'd head to the gym? 
Yeah, I mean, yes. If Stanley Kubrick approaches me, I would hit the gym. We got to we got to do this. Yeah, that is. I've always wanted to be a successful actor just so I had a reason to work out. Did you land on like a successful diet fad when people pretend to be like di- famous directors and approaching people for movie roles? What, what? So the it would be like, you know, Nathan for you style. The plan is so like you pretend to be a famous director and <laughs> it's just like call up like whatever friend of yours that needs a diet. So this is the immersive diet. I call someone up and I'm like, hi, I'm Christopher Nolan. There's a yes. nude scene, but don't worry. It's it's story driven. <laughs> yes. And also don't worry. You have five uh, months, whatever, to prepare mm-hmm. for it. And then... Most people would say yes, yeah. and then like they would they would start exercising, and maybe after five months they would be like, "Hey, you know what? I'm not pissed off. You d- you lied to me about being Christopher Nolan, and I'm not in Tort or whatever his new movie is called." Yeah, I mean, I've done Tenet. I've done uh, nudity, but it was all in uh, sketch comedy, and oh, yeah. um, uh, the the <laughs> the purpose was not to show how sexy I was, but to make the the audience laugh. At my physical form. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So I guess there's, I mean, that avenue is still open to you as well. Oh, yeah. I can do sketch comedy nudity till the end of the, uh, till the end of time. Yeah. Well, Tom Cruise has never done sketch comedy after, nudity. After I die, I'm, I'm putting this invitation out. Whenever I die, uh, sketch comedy groups of the world, feel free to dig up my body and do nude scenes with yeah, it. Yeah, you're going to donate your body to comedy. <laughs> but only if the joke's good enough. And See, I'm going to create a foundation in my name that reads scripts and decide if it's good, if the joke's funny enough for my corpse to be desecrated. Yeah, maybe you can like build some sort of an AI where like mm. y- y- it could decide like based on what your ideas of comedy are. Mm. And like the older you get, the more outdated your idea of comedy would be <laughs> to the equivalent that you would only be in whatever the future's white oh, supremacy yeah, stuff sucks. is. Yeah. Well, that's why I need a foundation. Yeah, that's know. true. They will keep up with the times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like that would be also like a weird thing like if someone who works in that foundation like went on a date and like they were like so what do you do well there's like this dude he died he decided to donate his body to comedy and so now I evaluate sketch ideas to see whether we can throw his dead body at the end of a sketch how are the sketches well Let's say that his body is safely ensconced most of the time in a morgue. <laughs> anyway, so they're going to this fancy party. Good, uh, we're keeping it shorter this week. Yeah. Great, great, great. The, so, yeah, the fancy party uh, is at Kevin Pollock's house, or he might be Sydney. hosting it. Sydney Pollock. Oh, that's true, Sydney. Well, it's at Kevin Pollock's house, but Sydney Pollock is renting it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what if this was Kevin Pollock? Anyway, so I'm yeah, sure he would have been great. Sidney Pollock, uh, yeah, he uh, he is like. Uh, so how does he know Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise is a doctor, and we mm. learned that he makes visits at did all you, times of the day. Did you read? Uh, did you read any of the behind the scenes stuff? I, I mean, not for this, but I have read stuff. Do before. you know why his character's name is Bill Harford? No. Um, so, uh, uh, to pull out for a second, Eyes Wide Chet is based on a novella. We've only pulled it. <laughs> <laughs> a novella from the early 1900s uh, uh, called um, Dream Story, mm-hmm. um, which is about a, uh, a Jewish couple. It's a fairly faithful adaptation, but it's about a Jewish couple in, uh, in Vienna. Um, instead of being... Uh, uh, Middle class, upper middle class people trying to fit in with the ultra elite. They are more uh, Jewish couple trying to fit in with the uh, uh, wealthy Gentiles. Um, that's one of the major differences. So while Kubrick had bought the gotten the rights many years earlier, and for a while wanted to do it as a comedy starring Woody Allen, um, he eventually decided to make <laughs> it. I mean, it's still hilarious, but um, eventually yeah, decided. Woody Allen and Soon Yi he keeps imagine, a real life couple. Yeah, imagine it's like nothing changes other, like no scene other than the fact that it's like Woody Allen and Sunny. Oh, Sunyi. God. That would have been amazing. Okay, sorry. Um, but, 
<laughs> but eventually he, he decided he in the 80s or uh, he decided he didn't want to do it as a comedy and he wanted to lose uh, all the Jewish references. <laughs> and he also he wanted more of like a really just typical, generically handsome Gentile um, of the type of a Harrison Ford. Uh, and that's what he wanted for the character. So he had the character named Harford. Oh, H-A-R-F-O-R-D. And also he named him Bill because it was a guy named Bill who asked him to fake the moon landing. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. important to know. <laughs> <laughs> and Nicole Kidman is... Never mind. Okay, let's not... Keep the going. moon landing? <laughs> You're kidding me, man. Oh, God. Uh, okay, and so they go to this fancy party where they know no one. Uh, and they have fun. They have wine. Uh, at one point, though, uh, Tom uh, Nicole Kidman is kind of tipsy and she gets hit on by a fancy gentleman of foreign origin <laughs> and they're dancing and he's like pointing out to her that her husband is flirting with these two models. Uh, she, however, is sort of jealous but also drunk and then Tom Cruise disappears. She sort of suspects that he went away with those models but where he actually goes is to help Sidney Pollock with uh, a I think she's a prostitute. Do we know for sure that she's a prostitute? Uh, or yeah, whether she's like uh, a... It said she's a prostitute. Okay. Because uh, I know that he calls her a prostitute at the end, but I wasn't sure whether, like, how he introduces her initially. But, yeah, oh, anyway. He just calls her Candy, I yeah. think is her name. Okay, Candy. Um, candy but, O'Deed in the yeah. largest bathroom I've ever seen. Well, this whole... This is a Manhattan apartment that yes. is... <laughs> it's like the fucking John Wick 3 uh, theater that turns into a full dormitory in the yeah. middle of Manhattan. Yeah, it's pretty um, crazy. It's massive. But yes. Z- uh, Cindy Pollock's character, Ziegler, he's doing pretty well. Ziegler, that's a Jewish remnant, seems like. Yeah, well, Ziegler did not exist. So, Ziegler did not exist in the story. Mm. Yeah. Wow, some Holocaust denial. Sorry, that's inappropriate. Anyway, so uh, yeah, Tom Cruise magically heals her out of her odiousness by repeatedly calling her name. It seems like that was the extent of his actual like. You're not a doctor. You don't know that's not real. (laughs) Sure. Um, And so uh, uh, for that, uh, Ziegler, uh, thanks, Bill, and uh, Tom Cruise returns to Nicole Kidman, who kind of like politely half-heartedly rejects the gentleman and they go home uh that's the end of that so one other thing happens oh what else happened Uh, oh yeah of course yes tom cruise runs into uh he notices that the band that's playing the party uh its piano player is someone he went to med school with who decided to drop out and now he's a pianist. And so uh, they sort of meet up, uh, catch up briefly, and he tells him that he's performing at this club uh, on sort of in a residency in this club. End of things. Okay. <laughs> uh, so in the. And the next scene, I think this is the next scene. Oh, the next scene, I think they're trying to fuck, right? Is that or that already happened? Well, the weird scene in front of Amir, is that before or after this party? Because I uh, did want to well, talk about home, it. We go home, we watch her getting undressed. He watches her getting undressed. And then is that when she gets high? Uh, shortly after she gets high. But yeah, right after. That's like a montage of them getting dressed. Uh, they, they don't have sex. There was like the one, like, you know, like the famous scene where she yeah, he like comes stands. Up behind her. Yeah, he, that happens now or like after the yes, party. Yes. Yeah. I, I just want to address it to the extent that I want to say that it is the most awkward looking, like, sort of, you know, erot- supposedly erotic scene ever. Um, But baby, they did a bad, bad thing. <laughs> oh, God. It's just like. Tom Cruise. It's set to a Chris Isaac song. That's not the way I talk. The no, song no. Tom Davies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. But it's like Tom Cruise touches her in a way where, like, as if he's never touched her before. Hey, you've never been married to Nicole Kidman. You don't but know if that's real. It's just like, it's so awkward. I, I feel like maybe, like, the thing that I kind of sort of explain it away as is that they might have, like, felt even more awkward about it because they were, like, you know, husband and wife, and maybe it was more awkward to like do an intimate 
seen like I'm when you're in a couple to think uh, yeah i don't know i'm trying to think if i've ever done like I'm, i've never really done like a sexy <laughs> yeah i'm but, trying to uh, when i was in my kubrick <laughs> well I, I was trying to think like you know doing doing plays coming up in like college like i had like and like short films, I had like makeout scenes. I'm trying to remember if I ever did one with like someone I was in a relationship with, but I don't think so. But I guess I can see it being more awkward. But anyway, it was awkward either way. Um, and so, I don't think it was nearly as awkward as them pretending to be stoned in the next I scene. know. Okay. Which is. But here, and okay. I'll, I'll say this is my biggest difference um, from me seeing it the now and in college. Me seeing it in college, I was like, wow them pretending to be high is crazy and awful. Me seeing it now is, wow, this is an incredibly realistic depiction of a longtime couple getting in a fight about nothing <laughs> that just turns into everything, and it's just as uncomfortable as a real fight. Also, them pretending to get high is awful. <laughs> yeah, them pretending to be high is awful. I think the thing that ensues out of it is fine, but it genuinely seemed like... No one in the production has ever been stoned before. Well, it's really, it's just Nicole, the weird laugh Nicole Kidman does. Yeah. And she also does it later in her dream. But mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's something where she's she, like, oh. oh, it's where, I think it's after he says that um, uh, women, I don't know, something like women don't get as horny as men or something. And she's like, ah. Yeah, she has like was, a full body thing. What it's, Queen of Hearts voice did I just do? Yeah. Oh, off with her head. <laughs> we didn't get super horny. Yeah. <laughs> and we get off when we're given head. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, so they get, you know. It's a perfect line for all your Alice in <laughs> That line might be in the 1970s Alice in Wonderland musical porno film. Oh, man, that is a thing. I Which have is not an amazing seen. artifact that people should look up. It's very interesting. We will link to it in our show yeah. notes. It's from a weird time period where <laughs> porn went mainstream. Roger Ebert reviewed it. Oh God! Was, was that like good. part of like the deep throat thing? It was. Yeah, it was the late seventies. Uh, and so, so what starts off with like you know like reefer madness level of <laughs> uh, high Tom acting. Tom Cruise is playing the piano real fast. <laughs> uh, does devolve into a very I would agree like kind of a realistic fight. Uh, Nicole Kidman obviously still kind of jealous about Tom Cruise flirting with these women and still unsure as to where he disappeared. Confronts him about that. Tom Cruise sort of retorts that he would never cheat on her because uh, what was his reasoning? It well, he just keeps saying he's trying to get out of it. He's just saying, like, I wouldn't do that and I wouldn't be jealous of you because I trust you and I know you wouldn't do stuff like that. Yeah. And she's like, oh, really? You trust me? And and she's like, why do you trust me? So it's, you, oh, and then they start talking about his patients. Yeah, he like, is, would you? His female like, patients. Yeah. Do you think your female patients are... Uh, uh, what did she say? Uh, wonder what Dr. Bill's little dicky looks like? Yeah, that was such a weird line. Uh. Um, yeah, her. <laughs> but it, it is. Oh, it is a weird thing where, you know, I got it. This scene always makes me uncomfortable. Right. But I think more and more. I used to be. I, I would say like, oh, it's because they're not believably high. But now it's like, oh, they seem embarrassing yeah. in a way that feels like two people having an actual fight. They seem. Uh-huh obnoxious and embarrassing right um uh, but yeah no one is like putting their best foot forward here. yeah no, no no but uh what it eventually culminates at is nicole kidman admitting that while they were on vacation uh she saw this guy he was a naval officer and she she was so enamored with him just from afar that she thought to herself that she was willing to give up her family and her relationship with Tom Cruise just to fuck him for one night. <laughs> and we we sort of cut to Tom Cruise and his like most intense self as he's Oh sort yeah, of this like, is like Ethan yeah. Hunt finding out a nuke just went off. Exactly. Or like I think he did like a similar face in Magnolia when like during that interview scene. After which she's like, "What are you doing? I'm silently judging you." Like yeah, that, if you if yeah. you can picture Tom Cruise intense stare, yeah, it's this, it's mm -hmm. this. 
Uh, and he's sitting there and he's staring at her and he's she's just so upset and the moment's real tense, but then he gets a phone call. Yeah, then he gets a phone call and what do you know? It's a thing that doesn't super matter. Well, we think. But so he gets a house, <laughs> he goes to do a house call. Turns out that this old man he was the doctor of uh, has died. Uh, the daughter of the old man is there. She decides to confess her love to him. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, she's apparently married or like in a relationship with a math. A professor or a teacher and they're gonna go to Michigan but she's like no I would never go I just want to be close to you like live in the same city where you live even if we don't do anything it's kind of odd um but I think and then like the uh, we find out that the boyfriend guy is Greg from Dharma and Greg which is <laughs> the best part mm-hmm. uh, and so Tom Cruise you prefer that to Lily Sobieski's tiny oh, appearance yeah that was also weird uh, and so uh, we go uh, Tom we go with Tom and we walk around uh, uh, <laughs> London New York so here's a fun fact yeah, I don't know yeah. if you know that but you probably do, have yeah. read it but so Stanley Kubrick did not leave the UK to film this, even though the film is set in uh, New York. So what he did is that he would send a lot of like assistants and stuff to take copious amounts of photographs of everything New York. He also then also sent uh the same assistants or other assistants <laughs> to areas in London. So like there's a famous thing that I read once where like he would send one assistant to this neighborhood in London to film every doorway of a neighborhood so that he had like all the doors and then he ended up shooting that scene in so it was the red door of uh that building that we're about to walk into Uh but it was like he ended up shooting it on a soundstage but he ended up like taking like meticulous research about you know, just like New York City. And so it kind of like it on the one hand, it does feel super researched and it does feel pretty realistic. Like at one point we go to like a newsstand and it looks like a very super realistic New York City newsstand. But then like there are other things that still don't look quite right. Like the the street signs, there are New York street signs, but the names of the streets are wrong. Oh, I didn't look at those. I, so like there's yeah. one street that's Ren Street, which is not a street in New York City. Ren, like R-E-N? No, uh, a W-R-E-N. Oh, like the bird? Yeah. Interesting. So, and I looked it up because we like saw it. So I don't know if that's intentional or whether it meant to signify anything, but well, yeah, clearly, anyway. the wren, uh, as a bird, um, fakes the moon landing. So. Of course, yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I, I've always loved the feel of it. So it's all this, it's this whole, uh, like, West Village that he walks through that is all actually just a soundstage. And yeah. it just feels like this kind of, like, dreamlike well, fake version. Well, it's not the soundstage. It's actually a neighborhood in London. Is it? That yeah. part? Apparently, like, a lot of, like, that, huh. him wandering around. Some of it is a soundstage, like, well, the, but... I learned something very interesting that I did not know today because the news only just recently came out. Because mm. they filmed it in London, um, a lot of the actors, a lot of the people in, say, the orgy scene had British accents, including <laughs> the model who has is the main woman in the orgy scene. Right. And they just recently, uh, the sound designer of the movie revealed who did the voice of her. Who was it? I'll save it for when we get to that oh, scene. Oh, interesting. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So, uh... Ooh, now I kind of want to guess. It's very fun. All right, you think about it for a few minutes. All right, anyway. Uh, I will. We will sit in silence as I contemplate. <laughs> uh, but no, so he is sort of, I think, still like reeling from Nicole Kidman's revelation, obviously processing this weird woman hitting on him. And then he runs. So here's my question. I didn't pay attention this time. Uh, is the woman he runs into the same woman that he saves at uh, Sidney Pollack's house, at Ziegler's house, or is that is this a Domino different... the prostitute? Yeah. Uh, no, no, this woman? is a different. This is just another woman that he runs into because she, she looks it's, so uh, what's similar. What's her name? Vanessa Shaw, the actress, I think, is her name. Yeah, I, so he, so this woman randomly song. hits on him. Well, not randomly. She's a prostitute. Yeah, so she's like, but she kind of approaches him. Uh, sort of sweet talks him and leads him to her 
uh, apartment. It, she has, you know, a bathtub in her kitchen, which is more of an East Village thing, I would say. Stanley Kubrick, do your research. <laughs> uh, and um, so she offers to do whatever he wants without, you know, having a clock on and timing them. Uh, but then... Uh, right he, as he's about to go for it. Yeah. Once right, again, we get a phone call. Yeah. Right as he's about to go for it. Again, we get a phone call and it's from Nicole Kidman, who's wondering where the fuck he is. <laughs> and he pretends to still be uh, with the patient, but also his conscience kind of creeps in and he decides not to go through with it. While being a nice doctor guy, he still offers to pay uh, and so he leaves her house. He keeps wandering until he reaches the same club that his friend Nick uh, mentioned earlier. It's a it's a club with a red awning and you go downstairs and, you know, you make your own very basic conclusions about what that represents. <laughs> it's kind of like a hell thing, isn't it? I feel like it's a very like. Wait, why out of hell. all the locations in this movie would you think this nice jazz club no i think that's like his portal that that would be my theory that would be a pet theory i just came up with but this is just a totally fine place for him to be but he makes a very stupid decision right no i know i agree but i feel like it's very like red (laughs) it it just feels a little bit to be like to be like quick get out of this nightclub go back somewhere safe like that prostitute's apartment (laughs) right i suppose you're right Uh, but i feel like there's a lot of red things that he enters Hmm. and where he like they're all lead to kind of bad decisions yeah uh anyway and so he catches up with Nick, and Nick gets a phone call. Uh, <laughs> we're making this movie sound like it's all about phone calls. It's, I mean, phones were just invented two years prior, <laughs> and so we gotta we gotta show off the new tech. And so uh, Nick has a mystery gig though that he can't say anything about. My boyfriend, who's a musician, told me that it's like very like a very Craigslist gig. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, anyway, so he go, has to go also, to. <laughs> I know, I know a lot of artists who have done like crazy things, but just like Nick, they do with very little prodding. Yeah. It's, you'll like talk to like actors, and they'll be like, "I catered a crazy thing last night. I really shouldn't say what it is." All right, fuck it. It's Barbara Walters' daughter's <laughs> wedding. <laughs> right. I mean, you you. Everyone loves to have a story. And so, anyway, so it's a place. He doesn't know exactly where it is. Why Barbara Walters? Because I was just trying to think of any celebrity. And that's who I went with. I mean, maybe you secretly are in love with Barbara Walters. Baba Wawa. Baba Wawa. Uh, And, well, he just got the location of where it is. There's a password. It's somewhere far. And I really shouldn't be telling you where it is. What's the password? I really shouldn't be telling you where it is. Are we doing a bit right now? Or I was asking, I was asking you what the password was. Uh, the password. Oh fuck! I wanted to say it's Silencio, but it's, it's not Fidelio. Sil- it's Fidelio, which translates to truth, faithful. Oh, faithful. Okay, yeah, it's something like that. Or fidelity. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and so, um, and so, uh, but it's a costume party, and Tom Cruise is in a bind. Like it's. After midnight, he's already been to like three locations. But this is a city that never sleeps. Come on, he's got to be able to find a costume shop. And you so, tell me, Halloween Adventure isn't open right now? Well, Halloween Adventure might not be. Abracadabra. But, but rainbow costumes is. <laughs> yeah, Stanley Kubrick. I I wonder if Halloween Adventure was around in '99, or like, what if he like went to Ricky's? He did a lot of research. His uh, assistant came back and was like, "We found a place called Ricky's. It's mostly makeup, but they also have some kooky wigs. Should we shoot there?" <laughs> uh, yeah, and so um, so he remembers that I guess a former patient of his like had a shop that sold costumes that is no longer around but there's an eccentric guy (laughs) who still owns a costume shop and so he wakes him up offers to pay him a lot more money for the costumes and gets a costume in a weird uh interlude the old man finds out that his daughter is having some sort of uh i don't know like a sex thing with two asian gentlemen in the back 
Uh, his teenage daughter yes, is having teenager. sex with custom, presumably customers of the costume shop guy. Yeah, that is the aforementioned Lily Sobieski. They're all <laughs> hiding behind the couch, in, which is very in, weird. In underwear. Yeah. <laughs> it's a kooky, weird scene. It's a kooky, weird scene where you're like, okay, I guess that was the comedic bit of that. And so off he goes. He takes a cab far away into Long Island we think. And so um, the cab drops him off and before this very castle-looking estate. Uh, he says the password and he is let in. Uh, inside, everyone is wearing spooky <laughs> Venetian masks. Uh, they're all congregating inside the main hallway. And if you saw this in theaters, some of them are computer animated. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, is was it animated in that part too? Yeah, no, I've seen I it. Yeah, it was, this is yeah. during the scenes where he walks through. So this is the big famous Illuminati uh, uh, orgy sequence, right? But I thought like this part was still like not censored, and only later they add people to when people actually. It's fuck. the shots where he walks through rooms right, and people right, yeah. are fucking. Like there's the one guy. I think if I remember correctly, because uh, now I think you can only find the unrated version. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's just like two shots that there's one with two women like apparently doing like a 69 and there's just like in, in the theatrical cut, there was just like two people standing in front of them, <laughs> like green screen in front of them being like, oh, yeah, look at that 69. Um, and I think it's the other shot of like the guy thrusting into the woman because uh, MPA doesn't like that. But this you may be listening to some being like, sounds hot. No, yeah. <laughs> it's all super creepy and super weird. Yeah. So we start with like a, Even weird... though a lot of these these rich people. Great shape. Yeah, we start with like a weird ceremony first of just like naked women around a man dressed in all red. They're chanting things. They seem to. So here's the it, here's a question for you. I think this is mostly like I'm interested in this and maybe no one else would be. But like it all seems so What's, well. What else is a podcast for? <laughs> <laughs> no, because it all seems so well choreographed mm -hmm. in terms of like the women know where to go. Oh, you want to know about the rehearsals? Yeah, I I've just, always wondered this. I always, like, I want, like, how do they know what to do? Like, is this a common thing? So like, presumably these are all like very high-end escorts. Right. You know, they're all former models. Um, so yeah, presumably there was some kind of rehearsal because you know you're a high-end escort. You don't necessarily just know rich people Illuminati sex rituals. Right. So there has to be like at some rehearsal space at like fucking Champion yeah, Studios. Studios. <laughs> There's like they got Nick Nightingale and he's like, okay, we're gonna do it again. A three, two, one. Okay, okay, Kimberly, Kimberly, you were a little late on the slowly kissing the uh, girl next to you. Yeah. Okay, let's try this again. <laughs> yeah, it was so odd. I would love to see that sketch. Uh, it's timely. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's always so fun to me to think about what the rehearsal for whatever <laughs> like weird ritual was. I mean, we saw Midsummer. We might talk about it at the end of the podcast. Oh but, yeah, because like, it'll definitely get number one. Oh, you mean like as like the things that we've seen? <laughs> and, yeah, I'm pretty sure next week when Lion King comes out, it's gonna be beaten by Midsummer. <laughs> no, but like of just like all these like weird rituals where people know exactly what to do. I'm always amused mm -hmm. by thinking of what the rehearsal process would have been. I've always been yeah. obsessed with uh, movie AA scenes and just been like, wow. All of these alcoholics and addicts are wonderful public speakers. I know. They the have structure like, of the stories they tell, beginning, middle, end, it's incredible. Well, while they were drunk, they were taking storytelling classes at UCB. Oh my God. I, I go to, you go to see a storytelling show, like comedy show, 90% of the people speaking are not as eloquent as the heroin addicts in like a movie, a, like a 12 step scene. I gotta say, I mean, they probably rehearse and open mics and then they go to an AA. That was actually a sketch I've tried to write. Oh, really? Which is like, <laughs> hey guys, uh, I'm gonna try something out. This is something new. Um, I hit my uh, <laughs> rock bottom. Yeah. Uh, my name is John and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it's just like my anyway. meeting was canceled this week. <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, uh, and so weird ritual things are happening. Uh, <laughs> suddenly, uh, Tom is taken by the hand by this mystery lady with a mystery voice. And she's like, you don't belong here. You have to leave. Uh, but Tom Cruise is very cocky, so he keeps on going. And he goes from room to room and he sees orgy upon orgy upon orgy upon orgy. And then he's approached again by another, but the same woman, I believe, who says, you're still here? You got to go, man. Uh, and so eventually... Well, I think it's all the same woman. Yeah, it's the yeah. same woman. And then he's finally uh, gets a notice from like someone uh, who works there who's like, uh, your uh, taxi driver wants to talk to you. But he is actually lured back into the hallway where he's confronted by the men in red who tells him that he knows that he does not belong here. And so uh, uh, he confesses that he does not belong. He takes off his mask, but and they are are about to strip him naked where the same woman quote unquote sacrifices herself for his benefit that was another thing that felt like very orchestrated in terms of okay well, well this is a question yeah do are we to believe because later Ziegler will try to claim that this was all a show that they did to scare him to get him to not tell anyone about the party but the thing is is that it did feel pretty like orchestrated in a sense of like she had to know that she could put herself up there <clears throat> and she and well, he yeah, was like well you know that there are consequences for like there, everyone like, here that, knows the rules yeah the whole thing about like that part was like very are there like are you like a frequent employee there like I, I, it's I mean, odd. This, there's a reason this sequence is so famous and it's not all the naked people it's so creepy and so singular i Every time, like this whole scene where they yeah. ask him the password, I, I love so much. Yeah. Um, by the way, I'll, okay, I'll give you three guesses. Who is the voice of the, the woman who redeems him? Okay, Shelly Duvall. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, interesting. 1999, American actress. She happened to be in London. She was hanging, apparently hanging out with Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. Naomi Watts? Um, uh, that's uh, not an American actress, but a good guess because... Uh, friends with Nicole Kidman. Uh, or an American actress hanging out 99 with Tom Cruise. Uh, I assume she's American. But she can do an American accent at least. Uh, okay. I'll just say because we're running along yeah. as always. It's Kate Blanchett. Whoa! Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, Good and, for her. and I had, like, apparently, the, she's not credited. There was just an article for the 20th anniversary of the movie where the sound designer revealed that. And, like, listening to it today, I was like, oh, yeah. There's a couple lines, not like, but there's a couple lines where I very much was like, that's, yeah, that's her. That's pretty cool. I did not know that. Uh, but yeah, and so she sacrifices herself. We were not sure what that means yet. And Tom Cruise is, you know, kicked out into the curb back to the taxi that he came from. And so the he comes, uh, and so like the next morning, Tom Cruise uh, wakes up. He wants to talk to Nick about everything that had happened. He goes back to his Nick's hotel. Uh, instead, <laughs> he sees Alan Cumming being very, very coy. <laughs> and so he says that uh, at around 5 a.m., these people came with Nick. He had a bruise on his uh, face and they took him away. And he seemed that like he wanted to pass something to Alan Cumming. But the goons near him did not let him do it. And he disappeared. Mystery. <laughs> he then goes, uh, Tom Cruise goes to return his costume. And so he goes back to the weird eccentric dude and he forgets his mask, but he returns everything else. And then Lily Sobieski comes out, yeah. followed by the two gentlemen, and now a guy who was livid the night before about her hanging out with these old Asian dudes is suddenly totally cool with it. They seem to have found an arrangement. It's a up to you. A financial arrangement. Yeah, it's up to you to find out what that means. Well, basically, he's prostituting yeah. his daughter, and he heavily implies Tom Cruise that he can get in on that if he's interested. Yeah, I'm sure. I wanted to be more coy, but thank you. Uh... <laughs> 
And uh, well, I want to yeah, I want to get into what this movie is about. Uh, yeah, and so we got we got to speed it up. Yeah. So if we can get through the rest of this in about four minutes. <laughs> so yeah, so Tom Cruise wanders around town. He starts being followed. What does it all mean? He finally he suddenly reads in a newspaper that a supermodel ODs. Oh, another thing I forgot to mention that everywhere he goes, he presents himself like an FBI agent. Oh yeah, would, saying I'm a show, doctor, showing his doctor license. I guess, which was a fun detail I really liked. Uh, Most so, people very down with it. Everyone after, uh, except for the first person he does it to, with a coffee shop employee, and she's like, uh, "No, you can talk to Nick Nightingale <laughs> when the fucking place opens." Well, she's seen things <laughs> no one else has. Anyway, he goes to the morgue and he sees that the woman who the supermodel that, or I guess former beauty queen who ODs was the woman who saved him the night before. Or at least could be, hard to tell, but definitely seems like it is. Yes, and so uh, he finally gets summoned to Ziegler's apartment where uh, he f- uh, he confronts him. He says, I was there at the orgy. I saw everything. You should stop snooping around. Uh, and Tom Cruise confronts him about, what about Nick? He was Bruce. He's gone. What about this woman? Uh, she saved me. Now she's dead. And he's like, no, it was all a show for you. He he does like the finger thing where it points at it when he says, <laughs> for you. In case we were worried, there's another character hiding in the room. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he's like, this is all a big uh, like misunderstanding. These are very powerful people. They would kill you if you like do anything about it, stop digging. And so he goes back to Nicole Kidman, finally breaks down, cries, confesses everything to her, and uh, they go shopping for Christmas gifts with Just their Just like daughter. a regular happy family. Did I do it in four minutes? We got pretty close, but we got to get that final line. After hearing everything, uh, Nicole Kidman's pretty angry. Oh, also, we didn't mention uh, when he goes back to Domino's to apologize tonight before the prostitute, he finds out she uh, just... She has AIDS. She has HIV. She's HIV positive. Um, so he <laughs> missed out on that. <laughs> uh, but then, uh, yeah, and then we get the last line where he's like, he says to Nicole... Oh, oh we didn't... The whole dream. We didn't get the whole dream. Oh, yeah. So constantly Tom Cruise, like the thing that like, quote unquote, motivates him to be worse is the fact that he keeps imagining Nicole Kidman fucking that Navy officer. Right. Well, also after when he returns from the orgy, she is in the middle of a dream all about basically how much she hates him and how happy she is to fuck other men. Yeah. But um, uh, apparently that's the climax of the story, the original novella, Um, uh, which is why it's titled Dream Story. Ooh. But then at the end, uh, then at the end, they go to the, the the toy store, and Nicole Kidman says, "There's something we should do," and he says, "What?" And she says, "Fuck." The end of the movie. Blackout. <laughs> I love the music in it too. I think oh, they, so yeah, they played the same theme. <laughs> <laughs> and like the little theme, like the mystery sort of music that they play. Well, it's like yeah, it's like low note, high note, low note, high note, then high note, low note, high note. It's it's very cool. It's very cyclical, and it again, I think we might yeah, we could talk about. So, John, you wanted us to get to this point. What does it all mean? Well, I don't know, because I mean, it's interesting. It's clearly so much about this marriage and they're both, you know, it's all driven by his shock that his wife has sexual fantasies that aren't about him. Right. Uh, This drives him mad. And it's so, you know, so much about sex, but it's also, uh, watching it now, it's so much more about money and I'm interested in hearing your your thoughts on what the connection is because there's so much about money. So we have, first off, um, the Harfords are doing very well. They're, mm-hmm. they're fairly well off, but they are nothing compla- compared to the Ziegler's. When they go to the Ziegler house with like the richest of the rich, they feel like shit. Um, he talks to Nightingale, who was his old medical school, cla- school classmate, who quit school and is now clearly doing much, is not doing nearly as well off. That is made clear by uh, Nightingale's comments. He has to travel to New York to make money while his family lives in Seattle. Uh-huh. Um, then we get, you know, 
uh, Bill is just walking around as he, in his quest to get to the party, just flashing money at everyone, throws money at the costume, throws money at the cab. Then mm-hmm. we get the whole thing of like, uh, the costume guy is totally fine with uh, older men fucking his teenage daughter as long as they pay him. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, it, it seems like, I don't know, it seems like it's something about sex as power. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, the power of a monogamous relationship is it's the power your spouse holds over you, over you that you're faithful. You give up that power. But then the ultra rich throw money and sex around casually. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get that part, but it also makes sense that like that's kind of the reason why he was outed at the party mm-hmm. is that they say like you're the only one who was uh, who arrived in a cab. Everyone arrived in limos. So, yeah, I think I mean, there's definitely an element of class there. I would. Yeah, I think it also is like a weird like, it is about sex in a weird way of just, like... Okay, let's say you found out today that, like, some politicians were engaged in an orgy like this. Like, they went to an orgy like that. Well, like, I, it didn't seem like that. Like, all of the people were, like, consenting mm-hmm. adults. Like, I, <laughs> like it's just, like, it didn't seem... I think maybe that sort of, like, through a lens of, like, from a different time, but... It just, it didn't seem that shocking. Like, it yeah. seems like, yeah, it's certainly like if I were to go to a place where this is the thing that's happening, I would be surprised and shocked. But I would not, like, like, I feel like the degree to which, like, those people go to hide it, whether it is through actually, like, fooling him into believing that all those things were true or through actually you know doing those things mm-hmm. is extreme either way well i think it's it's certainly made very clear that they throw uh that they are so rich that other lives don't mean anything and i, I agree with you that the orgy at this point 20 years later is less shocking than the callousness with which uh, ziegler talks about right. uh the, the the woman who has the od in his place earlier um, and then uh, talks about the death of the beauty queen at the end of the movie. So, yeah, I don't know. It seems. Yeah, I don't I don't have a firm grasp on what exactly the connection between sex and money that the movie is making, mm-hmm. except that it has something to do with like the power people hold over you. And then but then like here we have our main characters that are so bent out of shape about an imagined infidelity and then you have the ultra rich who don't even like concerns of that kind mean nothing. Right. Yeah. It also seems like, yeah, Tom Cruise kind of does go around town flashing money, whereas like Nicole Kidman, all she does is like one, like her power is like the sex. Her power is like her fidelity. Mm-hmm. And like, whereas like his power is his money. So maybe there's something in yeah, that. But he's pretending. He's not as rich as he is. He's no nothing compared yeah, to those Yeah, but other I people. feel like he is rich enough for most hum- oh, normal interactions. He, he is, you know, unbelievably rich compared to Nick. To Nick, he's unbelievably rich. Right. To uh, to the prostitutes, to to um, a woman, you know, selling selling herself on the streets. We see her tiny apartment, which is you know, with its chintzy lights compared to uh, the splendor of mm-hmm. the Harford's apartment where, you know, Bill doesn't even know the name of the babysitter. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I love this movie so much. I don't have a firm, like, a firm grasp on exactly what it's trying to say. It's never, just this weird dream state. Have you never thought of it in the sense of, like, a Dante's Inferno thing? Sure. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, it is a dis- a night dis- a descent. It definitely uh, feels like prosti- a descent. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing that I more readily associated with the movie. I think watching it previously mm-hmm. was that yeah, this is like this one man's like self afflicted for the most part descent into this world, and then like I feel like in that way it's like very similar to other stories we've probably seen of like a man who wants to like 
I don't know, like abandon his everyday existence yeah. and then realizes that like, you know, home is the best place to be, you know? Yeah, but, I, I saw it so much as being a man who was so... In the past, I've seen it as a man who's so bent out of shape about, you know, this knock to, you know, this knock to his masculinity that his wife may fantasize about another man that he is he ends up putting himself in huge amounts of danger. Right. Yeah, that's definitely a good. But at the same time, there are so many parts not having to do with the 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 ultra rich at the orgy that also call so much attention to class and money issues and the way money uh, can buy anything. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I think mean, what that's else def- is the purpose of the Millick scene with his daughter, Millage, the, the costume shop guy who's right. willing to prostitute his own daughter? Right. And I feel like I think it is right. And I think like we sort of get that juxtaposition of like money can buy anything. And what that means to Tom Cruise is that, yeah, I could randomly like pay off hookers you don't sleep with mm-hmm. or buy you a costume. Whereas like on the much higher echelon, it could make people disappear. It I mean, could like, you know, just like, you know, do everything that like that, like secret orgy people did. Yeah. You know? The smugness with which, Cruz, uh, Cruz's character, it, when he first gets the orgy, he has the cab driver and he's promised the cabbie $50 uh, when they get to the destination. And mm-hmm. he pulls out a $100 bill, rips it in half <laughs> and says, here's your 50. We'll make it 100 if you wait for me to get back. And yeah. so it's like basically he's going back on his deal and he's right. just being a, like that. That is one of the most like unlikable moments that he has in I the know. movie. Um, yeah. Another thing I wanted to, I wonder, do you think this movie would have been like, that says a lot to me, a lot about me (laughs) and the fact that I'm not married, that I'm like the the movie that has a lengthy scene where he thinks about, uh, sleeping with the prostitute and cheating on his wife. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But then he's like a jerk to a cabbie and I'm like, what a fucking monster. I mean, you know, treat people in the service industry. Nice. (laughs) No, I just also think that like, I I feel like I would have responded. I mean, I love this movie a lot, but I think it would have been even better if Tom Cruise was not the lead. Mm. Because he is incapable of playing vulnerable. It's like, and I feel like in the scene, especially like in the scenes with Nicole Kidman, where like, I think... Like he's he's plays it so intense, like when she confesses these things to him or like when he confesses to her, like finally about what happened. Mm -hmm. And it's like it feels like a more intense thing as opposed to just like I'm a shell of a man, you know, and I feel like he's like, I don't. And I I like Tom Cruise for the things that Tom Cruise is good at, but I don't think the one of them Heading is... Heading up a greater religion. Yeah. I don't... He's good at motorcycles. He's good <laughs> at, like, flying airplanes. Uh, but, like, being vulnerable, it's... I don't know. It's just, like, it seems like he's very, like, he has this, like, very concentrated, like, face that's very intense. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. It just felt like the wrong, sometimes like the wrong reaction to this information that he was hearing. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. I like Tom Cruise. I don't think he's really going for vulnerable. I mm. think he's going for, uh, and I think he's perfect for they. Kubrick, you know, he eliminated all the the Jewish elements, and instead, he, good. <laughs> yeah, that, get, get that out of there. We are I, both Jews. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he's more going for. Um, image conscious social climber right and that feels like tom cruise very much and it's less like he's wounded he feels like he has power over his wife through this Mm -hmm. you know uh this just he doesn't he doesn't even believe but i think i mostly you know what the scene i'm mostly thinking about is the scene with Sidney pollock is that like when he's at the end yeah where he's chastened yeah I feel like that's the scene where like you kind of you do want to see like him being kind of a wreck. Do you believe him breaking down at the end? I do. A sort of. But like, I feel like I would have believed it more if it were somewhere else. I, I, I mean, yeah, that's, I think. Yeah. Aside from the being high, I like, I think they're both very good in this. Yeah, I think, the, 
I think, I mean, yeah, they're good actors. I'm just, you know, <laughs> like I'm trying to like put lipstick on a pig. That's, no, is that gilding the That's lily? The gilding the lily. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, anyway. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, oh God, it's so weird. It's, uh, I, yeah, we talked for two hours about a movie I hated. I love this movie. And yet it is, you know, I love, the things I love about it are not the things that I'm the strongest in describing. I love the feeling yeah. of how uncomfortable that scene is where he's confronted by the people. It's the music choice. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Uh, in between, like, I was watching that scene. My roommate walked in and he'd never seen the movie before. And he was baffled. He first walked in by the millage scene. He was like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, like, you have to watch that. That scene is so creepy. All the masks looking yeah. at him. It's All the masks so are great. so eerie. The mask choices are so great. And also just like, the again, like we go back to, or I go back to just like the general just like sense of like, this is such a well-made movie. Mm -hmm. I was just like, all the steady cam shots are so nice and pretty. Like every, I don't know, every shot is so well composed. It's like, it's a great just thing to experience yeah. and an interesting thing to try to get get where try to figure out where exactly they were going with this is to think about the differences between the story because it's actually very faithful in plot structure mm -hmm. i've not read the novella but i was reading about the differences for instance so he eliminated all the stuff about the family the couple being jewish um that scene where he's walking down the street this is very early in the movie right after the confession of her fantasy he's first freaking out i think he's just left uh his client uh, uh, dead patient's house he walks by a group of frat guys oh yeah who body check him and in the story in the novella it's an anti-semitic hate group who laughs at him and and makes uh derides him for being jewish in this it's a group of frat bros who uh, taunt him with homophobic. Uh, uh, and that would seem to imply that, so both, you know, if if we think from the original story, it's a thing that he's trying to, uh, is that he's trying to hide, is the so idea. you think is the thing, it's actually about Tom Cruise being really gay I in don't. real life. <laughs> I don't, but I do think, it, I, so the same way uh, the ca character in the story is trying to hide the idea that he's Jewish as he's trying to um, be a part of this world, maybe you can see this scene as being like, oh, he's he's so worried about being masculine and being a man. And mm. his, it, that's what it definitely feels like, is that his this admission from his wife has wounded his masculinity. Oh, for sure. And so this is a continuation of that, is that these guys assume he's gay. And for, you know, this dude in 1999, that would, oh, perish the thought. Right. Um, but also, can we talk for a second about how, like, those frat dudes mm -hmm. are, like... The equivalent of like what hot how hot cops would play frat dudes on the show Arrested <laughs> Development. It was so over the top. It was kind of cuckoo bananas. Um, well, that's true about a lot of this movie. Let's let's give it let's give it a grade. All right. All right. You ready? Uh, three, three, two, two one, one, A. a. Hey, we did it. We, we did, did it. it. Turns out, if we the least we talk about a movie, the closer our grades are. Um, uh, well, looking forward to next week. Oh, uh, the things that are coming out. Oh, there's only one movie coming out in wide release. It's actually a movie I'm very, very, very looking forward to. What? Next uh, week? It is Once Upon a Time in oh. Hollywood. And I'm sure America will instead have us see Lion King. Well, I mean, yeah. So I guess that's the big question. Do you think that Lion King is going to survive a second weekend? I fucking hope not. Or uh, are you excited about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I am. Yay! That's all of my questions. <laughs> uh, I actually listened to a whole 10-part podcast about Charles Manson in oh, preparation. Uh, I, is it good? That you the must remember everyone, this? Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. You should check it out. Everyone check it out. But instead, first listen to our podcast. Yeah, listen to our podcast and founder of You Must Remember This, please advertise us. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel like... I guess we have talked about it. I feel like we've barely touched on it. But yeah, that's let's that's it for this week. That's it for this week. John has I'm to run. I'm great at closing a show. John is great. Almost as great as he is at opening a show. Wiki wah, wiki wiki wah, this wide shot. <laughs> <laughs> Toot -toot. Toot -toot.